HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes it feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's March 20th, 2012. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. Tonight's topic is beer with friends. We've got a great group in the in the house tonight. We've got Justin Phillips. You guys, I'll say your name and you say hello or you can say your name. Justin from Beer Table. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? How are you? Jeff Cialetti from Beverage World. Hey, how's it going? Josh Bernstein. Hello. Himself. <laughs> and Seth Wright from uh, Beer Nation TV. What up, Jimmy? We're ready. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Justin's new uh, uh Beer table at Grand Central Station. Uh, Josh brought us some beer from Ohio, and Jeff and Seth uh, are going to talk about some films they've made about beer. But first, a shout out to our sponsors, GreatBrewers.com. Check out the uh, the Beer Cloud. Have any of you used the Beer Cloud lately to locate beers that you want to try? You got to go to GreatBrewers.com. The Beer Cloud's pretty awesome. You can find a beer and, and where it's sold, and uh, a lot more information about it. So check out GreatBrewers.com and uh, try their Beer Cloud app. And also we're supported by the Good Beer Seal, an association of 34 New York City beer bars that will soon be expanding, goodbeerseal.com. All right, here we are. Roberta's in, in a Bushwick in Brooklyn, a great restaurant. We're drinking, uh, I'm drinking a Firestone Walker IPA. And Josh, uh, you brought us some Ohio beers. Let's t- tell a story about how, how this happened and uh, what brought you to Ohio. Well, I grew up in Ohio. I grew up in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and then I went to college at Ohio University. And so I try to get back there once or twice a year, but it's kind of a challenge sometimes. But in this case, I had my book on craft beer, Brewed Awakening, came out. And then we decided to kind of roll 
all in together, like do a uh, book tour swing and then uh, as well as see how many delicious Ohio beers were out there. And I mean, Ohio's kind of lagged behind in craft beer for a while. But over the last few years, we've seen a lot of these great breweries been bubbling up, really focusing on Ohio's agrarian nature. You know, we got a whole bunch of students that like to drink beer, and so it's uh, a lot of possibility for really delicious stuff. So I went out and got you a selection because you asked me to get beer, Jimmy. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we drinking first? Uh, The first one is uh, the Four Seas, and that's uh, from uh, Brew Kettle. And then the Four Seas are some of the uh, classic American hops, and so... uh, and everyone here is drinking it right now. So, And that's uh, the ones in here. is Cascade, Centennial, Columbus, and Chinook. And uh, Brew Kettle is from Strongsville, Ohio. And they've been making like some really solid, great, easy-drinking beers over the last few years. Wow. Jeff, do you have anything to say about this? I mean, so we're drinking beers from Ohio that you can't get in New York, New York State. How does that work? Um, how, how does it work? That's a good question. I think it has to do with the passion of the people drinking it. If you want something, you can go and get it, whether it's distributed here or not. Uh, there are channels. People do beer trades. People do, um, you know, some states allow de- direct shri- shipping. Others don't. New York does now. It didn't always, but it does now. So that helps a little bit. So the states that allow it, you can get it. So if you want it, you can get it. All right. Cool. <laughs> and so, uh, where do Ohio you got beers? Can I sing my song? For Dead in Ohio. And so, I think one of the, uh, we'll go on to another one. One of the classic Ohio breweries that uh, everyone seems to love is Great Lakes, which has been around, been really one of the people that have been really driving craft beer in Ohio for a long time. And so, it is one of the big shames that we can't actually get their beer in uh, New York City. I think you can get it in Pennsylvania, is the closest it comes here. And so anytime I bring back some of this, people tend to really dig it. And so the one we're going to pop right now is the uh, Elliot Ness, which is a really nice, easy-drinking amber lager. So everyone uh, finish up your beers, and we're going to bottoms up. Are they the ones that do Edmund Fitzgerald? Yeah. Oh, I love that one, yeah. yeah. Which is an excellent, excellent porter. So you think that in every – do you think every state has a really interesting uh, mix of you know craft, craft breweries right now? Or do certain states stick out in your mind? Well, you know, I mean, the issue and the challenge overall is you can have a great idea for a brewery, but if your state is not going to allow you to do it, if there's, you know, hindrances on alcohol by volume, packaging laws, and so it's really patchwork right now, and that's why a lot of the states down south are kind of stuck with these antiquated laws that people have been really fighting tooth and nail to overturn right now, which is why, you know, states like... Oregon had a much more permissive outlook toward uh, craft beer, which is why you saw a lot of flowering. And then, you know, New York State itself is catching on right now. Um, The state is really behind craft breweries, and they really feel it's like a way to really focus on what New York's all about, like the agriculture. And then we had a big uh, hop-producing tradition in the state, which died out with um, disease. Justin, uh, have you ever been to Ohio? <laughs> Never. Never? <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I've, do you, do you I've s- been through Ohio. I've tried driven I've through Ohio. There, yeah. <laughs> do you sell uh, American beer at a beer table in yeah, Brooklyn? Definitely. Yeah. What, what, what are some beers that you sell? Oh, gosh. I mean, uh, sort of all over the map. I mean, definitely Jolly Pumpkin, and uh, we've done some Founders lately, and definitely the you know some of the local stuff, Six Point in Brooklyn, and all those guys work their way in here and there. And what's interesting to me is, is that all these breweries, I've heard of Great Lakes, but... They're not available in, in New York. Are any Ohio breweries available in New York? God, 
not really that I can think of right now. I mean, there's nothing that really comes to mind. Right? Oh, Hop and Frog out of Akron, I think. They do a lot of like really giant uh, imperial beers, like giant double IPAs, triple IPAs, pumpkin beers. But besides that, I don't really know of a ton of Ohio stuff that really makes its way up here. I mean, part of it is production and economies of scale. If you're going to make your way into New York City, you better have a lot of beer out there. And so oftentimes they just um, – and, you know, it's also if you're a hometown favorite, there's no sense to really expand and go bigger if you're making a comfortable living. I mean, there's not really a, a need. You know, a couple weeks ago, Garrett Oliver was on from Brooklyn Brewery, and he said that um, – I guess Brooklyn Brewery is a really big exporter of beer, and they said they're the, the number one uh, exporter of American craft beer. Mm-hmm. And they their biggest market is Sweden. <laughs> Which is pretty wild. Justin, would you ever go, uh, if you found a brewery that you liked somewhere else in, in America, would you try to work with a distributor to have them take that on just so you could serve that at beer table? Or do you yeah. usually just work with existing uh I brands? have not actually done that. I mean, I certainly know other folks who, who've made those sorts of efforts. That's not something that I have any experience with. Um, but, uh, you know, I, cer- I certainly respect those who do, who do hunt them down and, and bring them in. Well, Justin, let, let's let's switch to you because you've really been a star for a lot of us. I mean, we love Beer Table. It's so tiny, but it's so precious. Um, you've just opened a place that's totally different in Grand Central. Tell yeah. us about that because I haven't even been there yet. Oh yeah. Um, so think of Beer Table and what we do. It's uh, you know everything is it, it is very small as you said, but um, you know everything's there for a reason. And so the pantry is really it's the retail version of what I do there. It's it's basically relating beer back to food, but it's only to go. Um, so it literally is like a fancy little closet for beer. It's 150 square feet. It's you know it's really the size of this room. I can touch both walls at once. You know, it's teeny tiny. Um, yeah, we didn't really think Beer Table could get much smaller, but we found a way to really make Beer Table even <laughs> yeah. smaller. Yeah. And Grand Central Consumer or Grand Central uh, Commuter is really happy. Yeah, my yeah. my coworkers just got me uh, my birthday presents from from Beer Table at Grand Central. Oh, as a cool. Fact, so. Nice. So it's yeah, almost it's, like anybody coming into Grand Central can 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 go to Beer Table Pantry. And of course, leave yeah. With some beer. So yeah, do you yeah. sell more bottles or do you sell growlers? We there? still sell more bottles. You know, we do a huge amount of growlers, but, I mean, bottles are the thing. People coming in and, and trying a bunch of different things. So, you know, we're always on the move trying to keep the selection changing. Probably five to ten bottles a day change. Um, it's pretty rapid fire, uh, as you'd expect in a place like that. It needs to be. Everybody's so used to being able to buy, you know, like two beers there. So they're really... It's fun having a business where people can show up and they're like, why was this not here before? You know. Well, that's I mean, that's the whole thing with the with the small. You're able to change it constantly. Yeah. You go yeah. in there. I mean, what's your inventory like? A hundred bottles? Not even. Not I, mean, even. I, I always think it's a hundred because it looks like at least that much, but it's usually 70, 80 bottles somewhere in there. But but that allows you to really like you know you know choreograph or or, yeah. or, or put it out exactly what you want to give mm-hmm. to the people. Don't let them choose. You got the best of ten different styles. And that's what, you know, it's like yeah. a wine store. Yeah. They don't have every single beer out there. That's a great comparison. You, you, you really work more like a wine guy than, than a traditional beer guy. Did you bring us some beers today, Justin? I did, yeah. I brought. So are these are representative of what you're selling at uh, the Beer Table Pantry right now? Yeah, it was. It was it, they're all three contrasting things, um, one of which is our beer that just came out. Uh, but it's, uh, they all use a little bit of bread. So I just wanted to do like a, like a classic that you guys all know. Orval. Great. So Orval, you've got Orval. Side by side with our table beer, the first of the series, which is uh, done by Brandstrom Kiev. So you've got, is that considered like a, a Stillwater label or is it is it your label? So it is my label, but it's, it's for this, I mean, the idea is this is not something I make money on. I'm asking a bunch of different brewers to interpret the idea of table wine, but in beer form, uh, something that they want to drink every day. Um, and I'm in no way involved in recipe or anything at all. I just commit to buying it. 
<laughs> well, let's start over so, with that. So you first told us about Orval, yeah. which some people say is the best Trappist beer. Some people think is the best beer in Belgium. Now, that has a little bit of Brett in it, doesn't it? It does, Is it like yeah. a triple with Brett? Um, I mean, stylistically, I, I don't know that I would call it a triple, but yeah, it's kind of golden in color. Um, definitely has a, you get that kind of earthy, horsey thing going on. Um, and uh, I thought it'd be fun to compare just because though Brian used a little Brett in this. Well, let's uh, do it. Come on. Yeah. So you right. got, your beer is, is being put up against Orval. One of the finest. Put up, put up against is not how I would put it, but <laughs> well, now it is. So very well. Let's see. We've got a, we've got a, a steam panel of you know good. industry judges here. Good, good. Yeah, I drink a lot of beer, so I should know. Yeah, all right, all right. And we're all judges in some way. But so, like, tell us again about this beer. So you wanted a, a style that was evoke wine I mean, uh, no 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 restrictions at all what I asked Brian to do and I'm asking other brewers to do is to brew a beer that they actually believe they could consume one of every day for the rest of their life you know something that they uh, they could go back to has you know they find it interesting yet it's uh, uh, something that they could just revisit so over this and is over beyond and over again. this isn't session beer this is something else this is more like a, like a personal interpretation a desert island beer Des- it, it totally could be a session beer in this case it absolutely is do you have a glass Jimmy yes thank you yeah yeah, no, our friend Sam Merritt, he, he teaches his uh, Cicerone uh, training class. And he, one of the first things he asks people is, you know, what would be your Desert Island beer? And uh, I'm going to tell him to start recommending your beer. <laughs> well, it's, you know, this is a one-time thing. So Brian did the, brewed this beer once, and then, you know, it'll be followed by another brewer's interpretation of the same idea. Now, so is it only being sold at beer table? And if so, like, what was the actual, like, uh, barrel that you guys wanted to go for this? Yeah, so it's not just beer table. Okay. Um, so... Uh, we started out that way the last couple weeks, uh-huh. and then tonight is actually our official launch of it. We're doing over at Blue Ribbon uh, Bakery Kitchen in the West Village, and they're going to put it on a couple of their places, and uh, they've been supportive of it. And then we'll, you know, we'll kick it out there and make it available to whoever wants it until well, it's gone. Great. And so when it's are, gone, it's you're gone. You're like a collaborator. <laughs> how, how does this fit in with what you're doing? Um, I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't consider myself a collaborator at all in terms of the making of the beer. It's really. I'm just wanting to get a bunch of different brewers involved in answering the same questions, just sort of putting them up in a forum where, where it'll be really fun at the end of the year to taste, you know, six or 12 of these things side mm-hmm. by side. Wow. And, uh, you know, then we'll follow it with, uh, you know, something that's not meant to be their everyday beer, really their last beer. So in like their last meal, meal, but in beer form. So what do you guys think about this beer? This, there's a lot going on in this. I think this is pretty awesome. It's, it's, it's very wild. I mean, it feels like, if there was a musical equivalent to it, I would say it's, it's jazz because there's just so much going on. It's like a saison that just went off the reservation. That's kind of what my yeah thought is. Josh, what do you think about this? You no, know, it's interesting because I don't know if it's like the temperature in this, but you definitely get a lot more like bread and that flavor on the back end and less of like effervescence to really like take it across your palate. So for yep. me, it tends like sit there a bit heavier on there, but it's still a very drinkable. Like it's soft in the beginning, but it then just like sits in the back with all that really nice, um, you know, the barnyard flavors, which we need to find a better word for barnyard. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Seth, what do you think about this? Um, well, I, I definitely like it, but the, the question I always get when people come up to me is like, what's your favorite beer right now? Or the same sort of question, like, what would be your, the beer you'd want to drink forever? Right. And like, it's, I can't answer the question. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely answer brewery. Give me a brewery forever sure. and I'll, I'll take it. I don't want to say, but that would be easier. Well, you well know? tell us what is, <laughs> what's your favorite brewery right now, Seth? <laughs> um, well, I, I would have to say like that victory does an, an amazing job all the way across the board. There's nothing that's like, you know, 
you kind of like, eh, I wouldn't get a six of that. Like, I would get a six of everything that they have, um, and I could definitely last forever drinking all the different styles that they do. Um, you know, so. it's interesting you mentioned Victory, because I get that question all the time, too. It's like, what's your favorite beer right now? And yeah. I'm just like, my good God. And I find it easier to answer something than it is to sit there and then just have this endless, awkward conversation with people explaining my personal philosophy. And so but one of my go-to beers is a Victory Prima Pills, which I think is just like, you know, low alcohol. I mean, full of flavor, great nose, like great prickly carbonation, like a beer that, you know, I could happily drink for hours on end and not get bored of it. Jeff, what's your favorite beer? I mean, I don't have a favorite. The, the answer I usually give on that one is, well, I haven't had them all yet, so how can I say what my favorite is? But uh, this week, um, I would have to say, because I, I was just in Vegas last week, and there's a new uh, gastropub there called, uh, it's called Public House. It's at the Venetian, and they had Sierra Ruthless Rye on cask. And that was a religious experience, drinking that beer. I mean, it was just the perfect temperature. And talk about a beer that has a lot going on in it. That was just so, just amazingly transcendent. I just... So that's what I like this week. Next week it'll be something different, but that's what it is this week. And it definitely has a lot to do with what you're doing. Are you, were you sitting by the pool? I mean, like you know, that helps a lot to think the beer is delicious. <laughs> no, I was just in the bar. <laughs> and you hadn't lost any money yet. <laughs> no, I actually this this time around I, I actually had a lot of willpower. I didn't do any gambling, but I'm going back in a couple of weeks, and I don't know if I'm going to have so much willpower then. I think Las Vegas is evil. I'd rather ask my my, my beer guru here, Justin Phillip. Justin, I know you don't want to say it, but what's your favorite brewery right now, oh, besides gosh. Stillwater? Yeah, uh, um, I mean, I've I've absolutely been kind of stuck on Schönrammer, the Pills and the and the Fest beer lately. I love those beers. I don't know if you guys know those. I, or I not. haven't even heard of it. Great, great, just like really old school Bavarian uh, Pills, um, just super tasty and really round and refreshing. And uh, I've been having those stuck at both places for quite a while now, last couple months. Okay, so we had uh, your. Beer table, still water collaboration. Yeah, let's let's try Orval. Yeah, let's just talk about that. I mean, I, I like this. So you're saying there's a little bit of Brett in your in this beer from Stillwater. Yeah, he used a few strains of Brett, Brett and a little bit of primary yeast from Orval. So, and it's without. You said four net four point seven. Four point seven. Four point seven percent. And honestly, I served. I'm serving all these warm because uh, the uh, the table beer. Yeah, I was going to say that exact thing. It, it, would this be something at your... Because I love going to the restaurants where they have the... They don't do it with beer yet, but they have the wine on the table, and if you feel like opening it and drinking it, you pay for it. If you don't, it just sits there. Right. So like, this would be awesome to be like, yeah, I'm feeling... I hate when the waiters don't come over, I need a drink. Just please just bring me a drink. I, I can't focus, I can't think. You know, like, so if I could just like sit down and like... <laughs> that'd be great. Seth, I'm glad you're on the show because we only have 15 beers in front of us. All right. <laughs> But they have that draft thing at a lot of bar, like a lot of sports bars now. They have that draft tower thing where you can go in there and you can like they have like instant tap system where you can actually pour your own beer. Which I don't know. That yeah. seems for real. Kind of, I don't even think that's legal. Yeah, I don't know either. Let's go back to let's, let's go not back talk to about SLA stuff. Justin, right tell us about Orval <laughs> because Orval. Uh, I don't think it gets its fair share these days. But um, I still think people say that it's it's the best Belgian beer. Or at least yeah, I mean it's definitely loved among it. beer people. Um, it's. Uh, you know, it's 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 one of the classics for sure. You know, it's a brewery that only puts out one beer commercially, um, especially for export. But um, it's beautiful. Uh, 
really well made and it's the only one that ha- that's at all wild among the trappist beers um and uh i don't know i can i can always revisit it and i'm very happy with it you know, nice it's, you know what's nice about this style is that i mean at jimmy's number 43 we do in, in april every year like an uh, april sours event with wild yeast and sour beers and lambics and everyone thinks like sour has to be like you know a goose or really extreme lambic but you're saying that that you can put some bread into a beer like the Orval and your beer table beer. I don't taste any sourness. No, it's just like lightly tart in the finish. Definitely like a little puckery, zesty. Yeah, I'm tasting it. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, uh, Josh, what do you think about that? The use, the use of bread and and to help what finish a beer or what? what how, how do you describe that? Because it's when I hear bread, I always think it's going to be soury, wild, yeasty. What? But this is like this Orval is a classic example, but it's it's very well balanced. Well, I think the thing with bread is like it's also when are you getting the beer? Has it been the bread been in there for a long time? Because then I mean, bread doesn't stop really devouring the sugars; it just keeps going and going and going. So sometimes if a beer's been stuck on a dusty shelf with bread in there, it can be pretty terrible. But you know, it's all about finding and knowing like when the beer was bottled and like that. And like, but I think overall, I really. I really enjoy it. It adds like a really nice, clean character. Like the next beer we're going to try is like mm-hmm. a great example yeah. of a big commercial brewery taking a big risk. Yeah. What's the next beer? The uh, Rayon Verit from Green Flash. Yeah, let's pour that. Oh. And while we do that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. Here we are celebrating the Good Beer Seal, goodbeerseal.com, and some of the really cool guys that are part of that, including Justin Phillips from Beer Table. Justin, when uh, the, the Good Beer Seal started in 2009, you were, of course, uh, one of the, the first bars that were tapped. And um, it's, it's always great to sit with you and always great to work with you. Um, how, how did you ever get started? I mean, I know you, I know you had been a, a, a beer... Work for Beer Importer, Be United. But what what made you make that leap from being a beer rep to owning your own bar? Um, I, honestly, I, it, it, I didn't even really want to open a bar at first. I, I really wanted to open a retail store. Before Be United, I worked for a uh, a retail wine store up in Boston, and I loved it. It was a great experience. It was the best you know hourly job I ever had. Uh, sort of which, a life changing. Which store thing. was that? It was actually Best Sellers, which was a small chain at the time. Um, and uh, it was great. I learned a lot. I got to taste a lot. I, you know, I took a bunch of classes and just like really fell into wine. And that was my vehicle for getting into food, honestly. Um, I drank beer. I didn't really know anything about it. And I hadn't really been exposed to anything really special until I met the Be United folks. Um, so I absolutely always credit them for opening my eyes to, to what beer could be and, and then for giving me the, you know, the crazy chance at working for them. Um, so, yeah, it was a, that was how I fell into it. 
And how did, I mean, how long has Beer Table open now? Four years? Uh, yeah, a little more than four years. Four years. And how has it evolved for you since what you first opened, what you imagined it to be, to what it is now? Yeah, I mean, it's it stayed pretty consistent. The, the main things that change always are our food program just because our, you know, we essentially don't really have a kitchen, but we've always tried to play restaurant. And that's... You know, challenging and at times really pleasurable, but most of the time it kind of you know beats you up. So, <laughs> um, but that's the thing that's changed most of, most of the time. Um, and then when you, when you opened up the the beer table pantry at Grand Central yeah. Station, I mean, wh- what are you seeing from people that are going through Grand Central Station? Are you saying that you have the best beer in New York and and people are clamoring for it, or, or, or do they not at their destination like on Long Island or? Westchester, do they not have good beer shops to pick up the beers you know, that I you think, have? I think a lot of them do have good beer stores at their destinations, and I'm in no way claiming to be you know, the greatest beer store in New York or anything like that, but what I am trying to do is put very good beer in a place that needed it, you know, um, and in a place that's uh, it's difficult as a small business owner to open up. Midtown's not an easy place to, to set up shop. Um, so it felt kind of like a desert to me, and that you know that seemed like opportunity. And beyond that, I wanted exactly the opposite experience of what I have at Beer Table in terms of clientele. I wanted you know cross section of everyone, you know, and Grand Central is perfect for that. And then, one of the beautiful things about Grand Central and the in the New York State train system over there is yeah. that you can drink on the train. Yep, you and can so, drink on the train. You can drink downstairs. You can drink amazing. in the park. And so it used to be that you know people would just get you know their big cans of Bud Light or Coors yep. Light and just like get them and go, and they'd have the little stands waiting there for people. Yep. But I mean, this is really. Elevating the idea of what like your after work beer can be for commuters because it's always been like grab to get on the train and go. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea that. I mean, nine out of ten of our customers would be commuters, but that is that is the way that it is. So, so if I went to your beer table pantry in Grand Central, I could buy a couple of beers, hop on a train, ride the train, drink some beers, absolutely, and then come back. Exactly. Wow. I, yeah. I was going to say after after you, beer train after yeah, you, totally. after yeah, you you pick up your your iPad at the new Apple store there. <laughs> You could have a couple of pints while you're figuring it out on the train on the way home. So, I mean, it's, it's really kind of amazing sort of cross-marketing going on between beer and, and Apple products. Wow. <laughs> awesome. So, Josh, uh, let's go back to Ohio Beers, too, because we have so many guests, and it's so awesome on the show. You guys, we just drank, uh, what, the, what beer did we just drink? Green Flash, what? Rayon Vert. Rayon Vert. And what is that beer? Um, you know, Star Wars actually don't even really know what they were going for, but I think it's delicious. Um, it's pale, semi-strong, uh, a, a good amount of bread, like very, very apparently there. So you gave us a theme. You had Orval, you had your beer table beer, mm-hmm. and now we have the Green Flash yep. Amber. I tend to describe wow. that beer, the Green Flash one, as kind of like um, Orval done by San Diego. Yeah. It's like that yeah, big, yeah. like hoppy, like Super clean juicy. body flavor, and it's like, but it's got that nice bread, which really works well with it. Yeah. Awesome. Josh, you want to pour us an Ohio beer? Or should we? Do you have any more beers, Justin? That was it. Those three. All right. Sorry. Let's we'll go, go back to Ohio. So, because we're on the uh, sour theme, I'm not sure if this one is intentionally sour or if it was. I know they. This is Gatekeeper. This is their uh, uh, by Indigo Imp, which is a brewery out of Cleveland. And so, this is the Robust Porter. And so, I got it. And, like, they've done some. They've had some issues with infection before where they've had their dark beers have come out being a little sour, which I don't really mind it in this one so much. It's kind of really refreshing, and like the sourness plays really well with the darkness because people don't usually think sour beer and think dark. It's like, a, but I think like the uh, little bit of sour notes really help round out a lot of the dark roasted malts and do a nice job. I've had some dark saisons, like um, like Barry has a dark saison. I, I think okay. that um, I think Barry has a, everything. Yeah, they have every, I think they have like thirty styles. <laughs> That's the the thirty styles are the ones they do consistently all the time. I mean, I don't know how many hundreds they've done that they don't do consistently all the time. Yeah, cool. And Justin, is is there a style that you wish people would be making? I mean, you've got your lineup coming. Um, 
Tell us, oh, let me start over. <laughs> Who's going to make the, you have a series now, Stillwater made the beer table, the first one. Yeah. So who and else then, is lined up for you? And do you I, have I a style in I mind? shouldn't announce names until we have the, the order figured out, but there is a website, tablebeer.com, that you can check out and you'll actually be able to see them as they roll out. Wow. So, yeah. That's cool. It's secrets. <laughs> secrets. I like that. Josh, what do you think about that? About this beer, this we're drinking the collaboration right now? that that he's oh, talking the about. No, the collaboration is great. You know, I think um, you've seen a lot of uh, brewers collaborate together, but you've seen less on the uh, you know the retail side collaborating with actual brewers. I mean, it makes sense in a lot of ways because that's where um, that's where the people are going to be drinking the beer, and that's where the people with the most knowledge, I think, are going to be able to discuss it. Like, and that's for me, that's a big issue with uh, with bars and uh, you know beer shops that they sell great product, but they don't really have a way to describe it to people. So yeah. it's kind of um, it's you can have the greatest beer selection in the world, but if no one is there to really guide you, it doesn't really do any good. Yeah, I guess one of the big motivations behind this whole thing too is just um, after a few years of operating beer table and only pouring, you know, really really wacky stuff. Um, I kind of got to the point where I really am interested in seeing what brewers have to offer that is like their classic everyday drink, you know. So not just the weirdest of the weird, but just things that they find delicious and even simple sometimes. So I mean, other wanting to present without that. giving away names, are there some examples of styles uh, that we might check out the nothing? website? Come, Come on, on. Come on. Well, tell us again. What's this the website? website? Tablebeer.com. All right, I'm gonna have to get crazier because you guys beer are quiet. All right, it's all the same. Okay, you have to tell me each something <laughs> outrageous. Okay, what what did you do this weekend, Justin? That was slightly outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> Not much. I changed diapers. I, you know. Oh yeah, that's right. Kid <laughs> yeah. number two, right? Yeah. So this is this is your. Let's go back to Ohio. Come on. I, I want to know more about Ohio beers because I've never been. I actually drove across Ohio once. Yeah, that's, what everyone, there. that's what everyone says. Everyone's like, Ohio. Like, I drove through it or I flew over it. And, <laughs> and you know what? Growing up in Ohio, I tend to have this like sense of severe pride because I'm kind of like a. My parents grew up in New York City and they moved to Ohio for their job. So I've got these like resolutely New York Jewish parents. And I grew up in Ohio and we just, it never really felt like Midwest to me. And it's, it's still not the Midwest. We can drive from Dayton to New York City in like 10, 12 hours tops. And so that's not very far away. And so I've always got a, uh, I always try to stand up for Ohio as much as I can. It's like. So how about this? Josh, read us the, the names of the okay. breweries um, that you've brought because we're not going to get to try them all and what towns they're from. How about that? Let's, uh, we'll do that quick. Uh, we got a uh, Indigo Imp Gatekeeper from Cleveland, Ohio. Great Lakes from Cleveland, Ohio. Brew Kettle from Strongsville. And then, uh, gosh, what else we got up there? Oh, uh, Three Frogs, which is their nice, uh, which is from uh, Elevator Brewing Company in Columbus, Ohio. And these are all like, uh, you know, they're all great solid beers, but nothing that anyone's going to, you're not going to want to sit there and trade for them online. But, I mean, that's not really the point, I think. We need more breweries that are really, that speak to people for their region, for their cities, and just become like the best damn beer in town. Yeah, and I, and I really, I think that Grey Lakes is an amazing beer, but I, and I don't want to say this really, but I hope it never comes to New York. Because, I mean, I really feel like the, the localness of these beers, we shouldn't know all of them. Because if we did, they'd all be just trying to push as much as they could to us. Stay local. You know, like, I know there's a whole bunch of breweries that are pulling back. I know that Stone is, like, was in 35 states, and now they're in 22. And people are really pissed. But, like, come on. You're three thousand, two to 3,000 miles away. You, you know, it can't be – the quality can't be the same traveling like that. So, you know, let's let's stay tighter. Two or 300 miles really is as far as you should 
drink a beer from a different brewery. And so the fact that we don't know these Ohio breweries is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like let the Midwest have all their amazing beers and the South and the Northeast. I kind of think the Northeast needs to like step up its game. But like the fact that we're drinking Green Flash and I love it and Stone and all that, I don't think we need to. You know, it's very far away. Well, it's interesting because um, I've had a good deal of of Great Lakes. I'm actually in Chicago a lot for my job, and um, my sort of go-to bar is the Clark Street Ale House on Clark Street, obviously. And um, they always have something from Great Lakes on tap. So, you know, I I guess I've just sort of taken it for granted, but the fact that it's not available in New York, I, I didn't even realize because... It's always kind of been there. Like, my sort of go-to place, I always try to stay in. There's this hotel that's half a block away from the uh, the ale house there. And that becomes sort of my go-to bar right before I head back to the hotel and go to bed. And I just kind of sit there. It feels like my second home. And Drink there's something extremely familiar. Yeah, there's just something extremely familiar about uh, a lot of Midwestern beers. You know, obviously... There's a lot of Illinois stuff there because of Chicago, but you know they, they do always have something from Great Lakes, so it actually is kind of surprising that you can't get it here because it is sort of that that has sort of become my home away from home, and it's added sort of familiarity to it to me. Well, why are there these cult beers? Because the the, the beers that you just tasted us, Josh from Ohio, there's a couple that are really blowing my mind. Like, what's the one I'm drinking right now? Oh, that's the uh, that's the uh, three frogs from uh, Elevator Brewing Company, which is a small. It's really brew- good. Small little brew pub in Columbus. You know, you're not gonna sit there. I mean, it's they only started bottling stuff in the last year or two, but they do like really awesome. I mean, totally drinkable stuff, and it's just, um, you know, and that's the thing. You're gonna find great beers across the country now, whereas before you kind of relied upon these big breweries to finally land in town. Like you finally got Stone at your bar, you finally got Dogfish at your bar. But no, now people are kind of taking it upon themselves and saying like, we can make this great beer too, and so they need to rely less upon. National brands, I think, and more upon like local ingenuity. I mean, you're you're seeing this replicated across the country. I think 2012 is going to be the year that things really finally turn local. I don't mean everyone using their own grains and hops because that's just not feasible. It's not like every baker is not going to grow their own wheat, and like every butcher is not going to tend to his own herd of cattle. So actually, but you can like rely upon locally sourced ingredients, and you can also become the best small brewer in town. I mean, when, when I travel, one of the things that I try to do is is drink only stuff that's that you know local in the sense that it's it's regional and you know I kind of have like a couple state rule where you know it has to be from this state or from you know one or two states over and stuff preferably stuff that I can't get at home and I, I, I consciously avoid stuff that I that I'm very familiar with like if I see if I happen to see a Brooklyn beer. In you know whether it's L.A., Chicago, even I've seen it overseas. I've been in Copenhagen, and then they had Brooklyn stuff. I've I consciously try to avoid that because I really there is no sort of um, substitute for drinking as close to the source as possible. And I mean, there's a whole burgeoning subgroup of travelers, beer travel. And, I mean, what's the point of traveling for beer if you're just going to have stuff that you can have at home? So the whole point is drink as close to the source. You know, whether you're drinking at the brewery or not or if it's a local bar or or whatever, but just drink as close to the source because there's really no substitute for that. And, you know, buy a T-shirt while you're at it, too. (laughs) 
So where should we go? You, you told us some of the breweries, Josh. I want to go to Ohio. I want to try some beers. Well, I can tell you. I mean, it's like personal prejudice, but like where I grew up, I went to college at Ohio University, Athens, Ohio. Jackie O's down there is making some of the uh, some really kick-ass, beautiful sour beers, barrel-aged beers, and it's like really nice everyday drinking beers. We're talking a town of like 30,000, 20,000 students right in the foothills of Appalachia, and you know... But you go there, and they're just making such really nice, easy-drinking beer in a really relaxed setting, the type of setting that you want all brew pubs to be, where you can just, like, ante up at the bar, pay, put, like, a $5 bill down, and get a pint of beer, and, like, usually a couple bucks back. I mean, that's that doesn't... I mean, it's, like, this ideal mecca, which is kind of what Athens is, but, uh, but they're going to be starting a production brewery, I think, this summer, and then... Uh, and so there's going to be some good stuff coming out of there. So hopefully they're going to start seeing them a bit further about. And then also Zanesville, it's got Weasel Boy. And then they just do really, like I was talking about local ingredients. Like this really crazy one in southeast Ohio is called the Papa. Papa is this trop, almost like this like temperate tropical fruit. Really creamy and just like really beautiful. Almost like can do a mango, but it doesn't It doesn't travel very well. But when it's but when you get it, it's just this... It's just such a beautiful dessert. I think George Washington's favorite dessert was the uh, chilled pawpaw. And so you see a lot of breweries in like the late summer, early fall making a pawpaw beer. Wow, that's cool. Hey, you know, we're going to have to take a short break here on Beer Sessions Radio. We'll be back and talk about, actually, beer video and beer film on Heritage Radio Network. Oh, how you feel, brother? Feeling good. You feel good? Feeling good. so much bone, brother. How you feel, man? I feel all right. I'll call your name. I don't want no people to know you're in here. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Is that James Brown on there? James yes, Brown's yes, cool. Was. <laughs> James Brown's right. cool. Who has a really interesting experience, uh, a beer in James Brown? Has anybody had an experience like that? I danced with him once. Did you really? No. No, come on, Seth. <laughs> Let's talk about some beer TV and beer video. I right do now. feel good when I drink beer. You know, we got, we got our, beer, our beer radio, and you know, we, 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 we were put... Somebody submitted us for a James Beard Award on a, for the Beer Sessions Radio and Heritage Radio Network. And um, the, the, the nominees were announced yesterday, and we didn't get it. But someone called WBEZ in Chicago was nominated for two different, two different podcasts. So next year we'll be there. We're, we're working on it. But, um, so, but on another media, we had Jeff. You, you made a, a beer film at some point. Tell me about it, because I'm dying to see it. I know you're going to do a screening soon. Yeah, I'm actually going to do it at Jimmy's number 43. I, as a matter of fact, when I was sitting at the bar waiting to come in here, Today, I, I got the confirmation that it's going to be on April 25th at uh, uh, 7 p.m., so if you're in the New York area, I'll be screening the film. The film is called Spirituality. Uh, I shot it uh, a few years ago, actually. It was the summer of '09 when it was shot. Uh, it's comedy, basically focuses on a small town, which I call Brewster, obviously Brewster, you know. And uh, there's a really popular bar there called Abbey Normal that, uh, <laughs> yes, Young Frankenstein reference. Uh, suddenly this, this sort of zealous, um, reverend comes to town and he's a total prohibitionist and somehow he manages to become mayor and somehow he manages to do a referendum where he's very charismatic and he gets people to vote 
to go dry. It was a very narrow margin, but the town goes dry. So this bar called Abbey Normal has to either go out of business or, as they're reading through this law, they discover that there's a loophole in the law. Uh, the only place that alcohol can be served in the town is at a religious service. If it is part of the religious ceremony, then alcohol is permitted. So the bar becomes a church, the Church of Beer. And uh, that's that's the story in a nutshell. Um, and it's just a, you know, I had a, I had a ball making it. Uh, basically gave up most of a summer to do it. And... Uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to my co-producers, uh, Cindy Sabo and uh, Lou Tambone on that too. And uh, it's available uh, for either download or streaming at Amazon Video on Demand. They have a Video on Demand thing now, so you can do so it on Amazon. Spirituality. It's called. Beer so, what kind of beers do they drink in the Church of Beer? Uh, well, uh, there's a, lo- a little bit of everything. There are scenes in it where they're drinking IPAs. There are scenes in it where they're drinking porters. There's actually um, the a lot of it is based on you know I, I kind of grew up Catholic so a lot of the the iconography in this was based on on Catholic things so there's a whole part of the Catholic Mass where you're presenting the gifts uh, the gifts that are represented there's a there's a glass so full can, of hops and can you drink malt. the beers in the church anytime or only during the service well the the thing is Sunday the service is always going on so <laughs> it's always a service and. It's, you know, the taps are always flowing. It sounds like some of the good pubs I like to go to. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll make a side reference on spirituality. Last night I was at DBA in the East Village. I was drinking with, with Dennis. I don't even know his last name, but Ray Dieter's partner. And we were toasting Ray because it was his birthday. Ray Dieter's birthday was yesterday. And um, I felt like I was at the Church of Beer last night. Well, tr- drinking beer is a religious experience. And... Um, you know, I tried to add a little bit of political satire to it, you know, a little bit of religious satire, but you know, it wasn't bashing religion anyway. It was it was bashing uh extremism in religion and just sort of celebrating beer, celebrating moderation. Moderation's a big part of it and just having a good time. And you know, the, the I don't want to give too much away about it, but you know, the well, we're beer looking folk forward prevail. to seeing it. But you know what that brings up? Um, I love the monastic tradition of uh, drinking beer while you're fasting in Lent. And there was a guy a year or two ago that decided to live on the, a monk's diet of just of like Doppelbach beer for like, for like 40 days of Lent. Do you guys remember who that was? Josh, do you know? I think his name was actually Josh. <laughs> Josh something or the other. But I think Saint he, Josh. He actually won a beer drinker. Like Wanku Brewery out in Denver, Colorado does a beer drinker of the year competition every year. Where they basically celebrate the person as the wackiest, most dedicated beer, like like Phil, like Phil Farrell won last the year before because he brings around a rubber chicken to every beer festival and gets his picture taken with a rubber chicken and a random stranger. But that's not monsters. So that's not monsters. You know, but, Josh. But he okay. won this year. That's so what, what I know. So I, got, I had a cask last week. Shut it was an oak cask, so a very rare oak cask of Schlankerla. Fasten beer, which was their special Lent beer, which is isn't that strong. You know, Schlenkler has some really dark, you know, accented smoked beers, but this one was subtle. It was around five point six percent, but it did have a pronounced like bacon smell and taste. And um, they say that, that some of the monks would have been able to live off that for forty days. You know about this, Justin? You know all the Schlenkler stuff? Is this true? Uh, I, I don't know about the fasting would, part. <laughs> but, would monks have delicious. lived off this beer? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's that's what's said. But 
So yeah, the, the story I've heard is that the single is the fasting beer, the double is the drinking for food beer, and the triple is the party or ass off beer. That's like exactly what they're, you know, that's why the alcohol levels go up. That's the story I heard. So well, you, what about the quadruple? That's an American style that uh, is obviously just because. That's a knock you on your ass beer. <laughs> yeah. But so you could live for 40 days just on beer. Nobody has an answer. I suppose, well, no, I mean, nutrient-wise. <laughs> you brought it up, Jeff. Nu- nu- Jeff, you know, Church of Beer. Well, no, n- n- nutrient-wise, yes, and you church can, because fast. you figure you've got, you've essentially got the bread group. Yeah. Um, I guess that's of the food groups, you've got, that's about it. I mean, I guess yeast isn't a group, but, you know, I, well, actually, technically, fruit and vegetable hops can be technically considered a fruit or a vegetable, and... Uh, water. There is no liquid group, but you know you need water. So I'm really surprised that no one in this room knows the Let's name of the it. guy that no, did it. the 40 day you know Doppelbach fast like a year or two ago. His name's like Josh. Do we not know him? It's like Josh Wilson or something like that. We don't it, have the internet near. It's him, something so we like we can't that. answer the question right now. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe our producers can figure that out. Internet. But it was cool, and, and 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 it really was inspired by these traditional beers. And they say that Doppelbach came from that. I don't know. Is it a cool thing or is it a gimmick thing? I'm kind of tossed up about this stuff because it seems like. Everyone's out there doing another like gimmick stunt, and it's just like, it's like I'm gonna live on beer for 40 days. Like I can live on peanut butter for 40 days, but I don't want to. <laughs> like I did when I was 20 years old, and with a ramen diet too. You know, so but that's Josh not- nailed this. The guy is Jay Wilson. Jay Wilson. Jay Wilson. But, but it's a J. You know, J. Dot. He's not giving his first name. J. Dot Wilson. Well, I, I think that sometimes stunts can be fun, though. I mean, if you remember a few years back, uh, I think it was Pete Brown. The the author he sailed, and this isn't nothing to do with monasteries, but he actually got on a boat and brewed some um, some IPA. He wanted to taste what true IPA tasted like, um, you know, basically after having made the trip to India, but not through you know not not a quick trip. Basically, in the years before there were canals, he essentially sailed from from England down. You know, Africa. Yeah, seriously, he went around to the India. bottom of Africa, came back up, made his way to India. I think it was eighteen thousand miles. He traveled on a boat. He, he, you know, he's got a lot of strange stories. Like he had some issues, you know, in Iran with customs there and stuff like that. But he, and I, I never, I, I never found out like what it actually tasted like. But I assume he was writing a book about it because he wrote a brief article about it. I assume he was taking. Uh, the longer approach with it but i mean i think something like that is interesting because that's about as close an approximation as you're going to get to what the british sailors were tasting in india because you're talking about however long it takes to go eighteen thousand miles on a boat that's essentially what it tasted like i think the book was called for hops and glory something like that it goes in oh so he did do a book yeah yeah because i read the article well, a few years ago everything Josh is I know we're talking about The deans of beer We got him here We got Josh Bernstein we got Jeff Cialetti We got Justin Phillips It's pretty awesome Now let's talk about your show um, Seth Wright your, your first claim to fame was You were you're a kid on a TV show Weren't you? Yes What I show was. was that? I was on um, uh, Remote Control on MTV MTV And how old really? were you? Uh, yeah I was uh, like What's fourth grade? Uh, I, I don't know I don't know actual age 14 no, 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 no. Oh, my God. You're, okay. You're fourth grade. Dumb like, kids. What, like so you're on, you're on MTV when you were like nine years old because nine is fourth grade. Yeah, something like that. And then now you've been doing for, for a couple of years now. It's Beer Nation TV. Is that the, what's yeah, the website? Beer Nation Show. Beer, Beer Nation, Nation Show. Show. And actually, it's funny that Jeff brought up moderation for his church because um, – for his beer church. Because the next episode that we're coming out with, we were, um, we were at Flying Dog 
a little while ago, but we were at Flying Dog, and we thought it'd be really cool to sort of um, reenact some fear and loathing action because they have the Hunter S. Thompson connection. So me and Mike went a little crazy. Uh, we did some some uh, some Johnny Depp action, Doctor Gonzo stuff. And, did uh, you really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so that episode's coming out um, in the next week or two, and, and it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of you know like craziness. We have uh, some guy with a shotgun. Uh, so, so how many episodes are you up to? We're at like twenty three or twenty four. Um, we've been doing it for like two years. We started in two thousand ten. Um, it does take a while to edit, so we're putting out like one a month. Um, so we're you know since two thousand ten, we're at about twenty four now. Um, but you know, we try to keep it high quality. We don't want to put out stuff just to put it out, um, and, uh, and so that's where we're at. But, but you guys, you've also done like some bar interviews, right? We've gone to bars and oh yeah, yeah. Our show is mainly like you know breweries, bars. We've talked to bloggers. Um, we like to to discuss the entire craft beer revolution. So it's everyone. We we did a show here at uh, Beerson's. That's Radio. right. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Actually, um, and you guys captured Ray Dieter. It was it was a great. That was part of a that's right. tribute. That's that you right. Guys I mean, did. we we thought it was, we thought it's it would be a good idea to show what happens besides behind the scenes of, of all aspects of of craft beer, not just like what you know. Talk about the beers that you can get at the store and and discuss you know like if we if we went to Flying Dog, it's like okay, you've got this this this. Tell us about it. Like that's boring. Everyone can do that. So you know we wanted to like discuss the history behind it. Why is it exploding at your place? Why are there bloggers doing it? Why are there radio shows? So, you know, we're, we're trying to sort of, like, s- stand back and look at the whole thing and, you know, the fact that there are 100-square-foot beer stores now um, and that there weren't So what are the, the top three shows you did? What, what were the subjects specifically? Well, um, we, we have a, a, a small movie called The Craft Beer Bandit. Now, that's, it was kind of filmed for a film festival out in California that's definitely one of the the top things we put out. And actually, me and Mike, the hosts, weren't even really in it. But it's a Beer Nation production, um, and it's about this 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 hooded uh, figure that you don't see. And his whole thing is he's the bandit, and he steals people's crappy beers and switches them with good beer. Sounds like that Miller ad, <laughs> yeah. which I don't know if you reference the man guys, but the Miller ad where the guy goes in and takes the expired Miller out of a club. You're like he's just taking, oh, he's taking back exactly. the high life. They're taking yeah, it back yeah, because yeah. the beer S U S S U C K S is, and then they want to bring in craft beer. That's really what that ad's about. If you don't know that, yeah. But well, so yeah, so that's that. So that's your. You're, so you're going to make a Miller ad next. We we've been contacted by them. You should, man. You guys do a good job. Yeah, we might. Yeah. We were thinking about it. Uh, we didn't know if we wanted to really. Cool. I do love your stuff too. Thank you. Jeff. So to go back very briefly, could you remind me what remote control is about? Because it's like it's jogging some sort of like childhood memory thing where I can't quite remember. Like what was it? It was like one of the first. Not singled out. Like, that's no, no, no. That was the next one on MTV. <laughs> but it was just there was big chairs and you actually were three contestants. You asked you, you were you were asked questions about TV and if you missed them, your chair like threw you back. Oh. And so I actually at nine years old was one of the the hosts sort of like young version of himself 
So it showed like a baby and then a nine-year-old and a 14-year-old, all who loved TV so much that they didn't want anything to do with anyone else. So the 14-year-old's hanging out with his girlfriend, and he's just watching TV and doesn't care. But this that, is that hot. Was, so you, you were the young Ken <laughs> Wilber? I, I was the... That's yes, great, exactly. but guys, Ken bring Ober, it back exactly. to reality. That's cool. So TV stars are getting into the beer scene. Oh my That's God. awesome. <laughs> Josh, what's no, the I beer we old. have now? Let's bring it back to beer. What, uh, what are we know, drinking? This, is, uh, this one. Oh, this is, this is called Goulash. It's from uh, Sweetwater down in Georgia. And uh, it's it's called they call it a double black, double dry hop, double India Pale Ale. I mean, it doesn't really taste like an IPA to me, but you know, it's it's just double, double, double. So where does where does he get this beer? I've never heard of it's Sweetwater in Georgia. Yeah, they. I mean, you know, I'm at Beverage World, so they're always I'm on their mailing list, so they're always sending me stuff, and uh, they're they're actually pretty interesting. They're 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 part of kind of this new South craft brewing movement i mean georgia's doing i mean another one was terrapin um but also south carolina's doing really well now because they they recently changed their laws there where they now allow high abv beers and i was in south carolina probably about a year and a half ago in charleston and there's there's sort of a mini renaissance going on down there and it's it's burgeoning give it three years I, I guarantee South Carolina is going to be a craft beer mecca, but just as far as they've come since they changed the laws in 2007, they've come a long way. So just imagine what they're going to be like in, say, you know, 2015, because it, it's it's pretty amazing what's going on there. There's a lot of great bars in Charleston. Well, I think it was only in 2005 or so that North Carolina had popped the cap where they actually raised their law. Where, you know, before it was some, I think now they can do up to like 12 or 15 yeah. percent. So like West Virginia was six, and now they're 12. It does change a lot. I mean, it's it's huge yeah. change. I mean, a lot of it's, like, driven. Like, I know Alabama had a big issue for a while, and it was really the issue was distributors were down there. Like, the bud distributors were like, you know what, we shouldn't be doing this because, you know, no, no beers in their portfolio were above 6%. And so what's the point of them actually, you know, allowing competition in there, basically? And so what, what's ended up happening is, like, that really stops a lot of big craft brewers coming in there because, yeah, they may have a few beers below 6%, but what's the point of bringing in two beers in your entire portfolio if you can't do the other 10 or 12 or 14. Right. Wow. Justin, I, I want to ask you, before we're talking about local, Jeff, and Je- they were talking about local beers are the best. Well, you're the opposite. I mean, you have, like, the best beers in the world, and I, I always look to you as a curator of, of, of what's good. Um, what do you think about this? Uh, about what? <laughs> I don't know, man. You tell me. Please I mean, I, I drink beer from all over the place, and, and honestly, I... I, I kind of think of what I do as, as sort of like a like a blind experience, you know. I, I um, beer is a global product, and I, I totally appreciate when you know folks want to consume as close to where they are. And certainly, when I travel, you know, I want to check out the beers of the region that I'm in and and see what a place is all about. But um, you know, beers it, it it does kind of come from all corners of the earth, and that's kind of what's wonderful about it. Um, and uh, since my place doesn't really have any regional focus in terms of what we serve, not just with beer, but with food, it's it's a flavor experience. Um, so I'm going to continue to, you know, just kind of not only show everything that's out there that I think is just straight up delicious, but that's what I want to consume, too. Um, and I love it when it comes from, you know, right here. You know, it's great, but elsewhere is good, too. Okay. So <laughs> what's, what's, what's tonight at Beer Table in Brooklyn? Like you have, what, three drafts usually? Or, or no, a, a little over a year ago, I put in a few more. So, uh, so what's on what's on draft tonight? Um, or so, last night? Yeah, yeah. So we have our table beer on. Um, we have the curator from uh, Klosterbrauerei Etel, the monastic German brewery. Um, what else do I have up right now? Uh, 
Here, let me just pull up the list. All right. <laughs> you keep a paper Internet list? to the rescue. <laughs> and do, you, do you usually find the beers and then figure out what kind of food to pair it? Or do you change the food? I don't think... I mean, I think all of our food is very beer-friendly, but I don't literally do pairings. I think uh-huh. that's one of the things that folks think about, think that I do, but I don't particularly care about that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, most, most any food... Uh, can work very well with beer and uh um i'm very interested in things that are you know have some sort of you know preserved element to them because we're small we don't do huge volume um on anything really uh so you know we need things that we can be really versatile with how we keep them and whatever so i do a lot of dehydrating certainly there's a lot of vinegar involved you know that's that's kind of a theme that runs through it can i just say at the the grand central location the pretzels there are amazing sigmund's Oh, that with it from? Yeah, they're yeah. they're they're just incredible. They're they're about as close to Bavarian pretzels as you're going to get. Yeah, she, she does a great job. Wasn't she on the show recently? Yeah, Le- Lena, Lena from Sigmund's yeah. Pretzels. Yep, she's yeah. really carving a niche. Yeah, you know, classic pretzels for beer. I, I like hearing uh, Justin talk because you you really uh, approach it differently than most people, and your whole, everything that many of us aspire to with the GoodBrewSeal dot com. and um, Beer Sessions Radio Show. You know, thinking of quality and uh, you know the importance of. Uh, Good beer in your life. So this is the list from... Uh, this is today's drafts at Beer Table. Die Glasen Torin. I can't pronounce it. Oh. It's, it's on Dienica, which is a, a Belgian triple, but then matured in a Zinfandel barrel from California. Super wacky. And then Kloster Browery, the Atal Curator. Mm-hmm. Porterhouse from Ireland, the Plain Porter. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't had that. It's great. And uh, Beer Table, Table Beer with Brian Strumke. Sharda Aventinas, always one of my favorites. Yeah. Red Hook Winery, Brooklyn Brisco. What's that? The, the first non-beer that I've poured. Um, Darren from Red Hook Winery has been coming into the beer table a lot, and he's a, he's a beer-loving wine guy, and uh, he thought it'd be fun to put one up, and so we're doing wow. it. And then on cask, you have Harveston Old Engine Oil Engineers Reserve. Wow. That, I've had Old Engine Oil, but that sounds pretty sick. What is it? Engineers uh, it's, Reserve. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a dense, sort of strong version of uh, Old Engine Oil that... You know, it's like bitter chocolate and soy sauce. <laughs> it's like a, so they also it's have a fun savory Harbison experience. has the Ola Dub, too, which is kind of yeah, sick, yeah. too. Yeah, based on the same idea. So um, what do you think about Harvested? We're going we're to sign off in a minute, but that's a pretty uh, great list and so diverse, man. All I can say is just go to Beer Table, and it's with tablebeer.com to learn more about your new special collaborations. We'll call them collaborations. Yeah, they're not really, but yeah, sure. You know, Dave, you're a big night there. We do like a um, like a big feast. We people can go in there with like yeah. A, we've started a, a Wednesday night family meal, which basically right. you just book the table, um, and it's you know it's two hundred bucks. So it's you know you can bring eight people if you want, or bring four if you're very hungry. But awesome. So you go home with a bunch one of food. three tables. Guys, beer, yeah. beer table in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. We got we got Justin Phillips, and uh, we're going to give a, a shout out to some events coming up. Hey, guess what? It's Beer Sessions Radio. We celebrate our hundredth uh, episode recently. Tomorrow woo! night, woo! Heritage Radio Network is going to salute. Us and some of the other hosts uh, at Santos Party House downtown Manhattan. It's going to be a great party. There's going to be uh, artisanal spirits, craft beer, and some really good foods. Check out HeritageRadioNetwork.com. There's still tickets, but they're going fast. Also, this year, the Brewers Association, who's been really supportive of Beer Sessions Radio, presents their fifth annual Savor. 
S-A-V-O-R, an American Craft Beer and Food Experience, Friday, June 8th and Saturday, June 9th at the National Building Museum. You'll hear more about it. Uh, so I've never been to Savor. Has anyone been there? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I've been every year. Yeah? It's awesome. It's good? Yeah. It's good so check out Savor. There's no substitute. It's called Gluttony. <laughs> Gluttony. And Good Beer Seal Events. Uh, this Thursday, Beer Craft in Brooklyn, Founders Brewing Tap Takeover. Next Tuesday, the 27th, Rattle and Hummel hosts Smaltz Brewing. And also on the 27th is the Tuesday Tastings at Jimmy's number 43. Uh, Mike Lavula is doing his Ryan Oats series, which is from last year. Rye and Oats. To thank our sp- Anything else you guys want to say, Justin? Anything coming up? Thanks Next for week me. or two. Awesome. <laughs> Jeff, anything else besides your film? Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, I just it's been awesome, and I, I hope uh, any any local people in New York can come to the screening April 25th at Jimmy's number 43. So you're going to have to change the name of your uh, film to Church of Beer. Absolutely. All right. J- Josh, anything going Where are you traveling? You've got your great book. Brood Awakenings. Uh, Where are you going next? Because God, we want to keep up with you. Stop traveling so much because I spent the last three or four months traveling across the country doing book events. But I'm going to be traveling all the way down the Lower East Side tomorrow night before the uh, party <laughs> to go do a signing at Top Hops. All right. And then uh, after that, I'm uh, off to uh, in April going to Boston, then uh, Minneapolis in early uh, May to go check out. Terrific. And uh, Seth, anything going on with the Beer Nation show? Well, I think uh, me and you are going to figure out how we're going to do this beer fest. Uh, TV thing, so that's in I, July. Look, look forward to do. July. We'll have uh, for July Goober Month. There's going to be one event at South Street Seaport Museum with uh, the best of bo- uh, best of beer book blogs and uh, videos. It's nice. going to be something fun. And I'd like to thank our sponsors, GreatBrewers.com. Thank you so much. And um, again, check out GreatBrewers.com, the beer cloud. Thanks to Justin, Jeff, Josh, and Seth for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee, Carlos Salguero, and Brie O'Connor, and guest coordinator, Brett Thompson. See you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Thank you, guys. More to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.